Hello, babies. Oh, we back in the house here with Big J Dub, Jason Whitlock, and yours truly, Jimmy Dodge, a.k.a. Uncle Jimmy in the house. How we doing today, Jason? We're good. We're in Nashville, and it's getting close. It's about that time, man. Jason, listen here, man. Honestly, I got 10 more questions for you. And I got to ask you before we start this show, starting on July 6th. I'm going to tell you, man, this thing's kind of fun, man. I'm, I'm enjoying hosting this little thing, putting you on the spot, you know, oh, watching boy. you sizzle like hot bacon on a hot griddle, man. These questions here that I'm going to shoot for you today, I'm going to be honest with you. These going to be a little bit more trickish than the first ones, all right? A little more who? A little more trickerish. <laughs> yeah, just trickerish. listen. Just listen. It's going to be a little Go. more trickerish. See, if, you, right. if you'd been part of the game, you could understand it, but just listen to me, all right? Go ahead. All right. Let's keep this real. First of all, this, show, this new show that we're going to do is called Fearless, all right? So if you're going to call your show Fearless, let's show people how fearless you're going to be. Okay? Now, you've worked everywhere and for everybody in this industry. Am I right? You've had more jobs than Cardi B done had one night stands. Okay? You done had more <laughs> beef true. than a drive through at McDonald's on a Friday night. Okay? <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you your thoughts on some people that you've worked with. You've worked with some of the biggest names in sports media. And... I don't just want PC answers, okay? Or, or in your phrase, I just don't want CP answers. You know, you know. CP. What is CP? Colored people answers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want you to KIF. All right. KIF. Just keep it fearless, fella. Easy. All Done. right, dude. All right, man. Question number one. You ready? Yeah. Straight up. Tony Kornheiser, Mike Wilborn. What's your thoughts on them guys, man? Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilborn. Look. Those guys are the godfathers. Those guys are the reason you and I are sitting right here in Nashville in these studios that they've had constructed, about to do something monumental. Tony and Mike paved the way for, for all of us that talk, particularly in the sports lane. And Tony and Mike are two guys that, have been very good to me over the years. The, the whole pardon the interruption crew from Eric Rideholm and Matt Kelleher and Frankie Nation that, that all work behind the scenes to Tony and Mike just even before we were on TV. Those guys were idols of mine and have treated me with nothing but respect uh, my entire career, you, you started me off with a very easy one because I love those guys. Yeah, well, that, that, I lobbed your softball because I knew it was no way <laughs> in hell you could say anything bad about either two. And honestly, I know for a fact how you feel about Mike Wilbar. okay? I know for a fact. He's one of the few people in this industry I've never heard you say anything bad. I mean, off the record, I heard you tell the story about he took you to his house and you, you just talked about how gracious he was and how much of an impact it made on you, and that surprised me. I'm like, uh, somebody impressed Whitlock. I mean, and you didn't say that. Well, I remember this is, I think, maybe when when PTI first started. or for, There was some reason I was in D.C. Mike did have me over to his house, and this was at a time in Kansas City where I was like, man, I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm balling. Oh, don't I and, <laughs> and you get over to Mike Wilbon's house, he like, Oh, man, I ain't balling. This He's is a, balling. This is a nice house, Eddie. <laughs> this is a real nice house, Eddie. 
And I just, yeah, Mike, always gracious with me. There's nobody in this industry that has a bad word to say about Mike. People love Mike. And, and look, in terms of just graciousness and just in terms, Mike and I, I wouldn't say we had a disagreement, but Mike wrote some things about Ball State basketball at one time because he was tight with John Thompson and John Thompson's son was the coach at Ball State briefly where I disagreed with what Mike wrote and wrote about my disagreement, but it never interfered with my relationship with Mike. That's one of the number one things I, I respect about Mike is Mike just stays above the fray. Can, can I just stop you right yeah. there? Because you just took up four minutes to say that you love Mike Wilborn, but y'all fell out over some Ball State shit. No, we didn't fall out. I said we disagree. No, I know what you said. No, because I know how how deep you are about Ball State. Uh, something he wrote about, but really, okay, man, come on. We didn't man. fall out. What I'm saying actually is that we didn't fall out, and that's why I respect Mike. Mike. Anytime I've ever called Mike and needed anything, Mike's always picked up the phone and given me what I needed. All right, very good. Question number two: The captain. Hold for one second, though. I just said all that about Mike. I want to uh -oh. add one thing uh -oh. that you getting ready to blow it, y'all. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I want to. I want to add one thing. I'm actually slightly closer to Tony Kornheiser. I was going. I wasn't even going to say that. I was going to let Tony <laughs> deal with that. Go ahead. <laughs> and I was going to let you fall off on that. I've had dinner at Tony's house, where Tony's cooked, his wife's cooked, maybe even his son has cooked. But I just want to be crystal clear about the level of respect and affinity I have for Mike and Tony. Tony's my guy. In this business, Tony Kornheiser is my guy. And it's, like, it's not like we talk all the time, but when we do talk, it's always, generally speaking, Tony reaching out to be supportive. Everything that's happened to me in this business, everything, from getting fired from ESPN, to Tony Kornheiser's, Always had my back. All right, very good. Now let's let, let's go to number two, as I just said. Yeah, the captain. You're getting better with the counting from the last time. Yeah, okay, what, very good. What just the who? The captain. The captain. Who's the captain? Robert <laughs> Parrish. Uh, Colin Cowherd. I mean, Damn it, you know who the captain is. Oh, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> Come on, man. Act dumb if you want to. Colin Cowherd is one of the most interesting people I've ever met in this business. And this is how I would describe Cowherd. He, he's he's kind of like the Jay-Z of this business. He's not a businessman, he's a business man. And <laughs> that's what you have I to understand that was good. That was good. about Cowherd, is that like, he's a business. And his mind is always on his business and how he can maximize <clears throat> his business. And that's one of the, I learned many things from Cowherd and working with him, but that's the main thing I learned is like, his mind is always on his business and how he can maximize his business. And Cowherd, those two years we did Speak for Yourself together, mm -hmm. it was great. Wasn't the exact show I wanted to do, but it was great 
to work with someone who's that talented, that accomplished, that far along in the business, who I don't think we ever had a crossword. I don't think we ever had a passionate disagreement about anything. We disagreed about some things, but there was it was always, it was never personal, it was always professional. And I appreciate the way Cowherd handled the end of our show and creating the room and space for me to do Speak for Yourself in a way that I truly believed in, in a way that I thought could max out Speak for Yourself. I, I think the process of working with Cowherd was terrific for me, and I appreciated the way he handled all of that, and I, I respect the way he handled all of that. He's a unique dude. Now, he's got some quirks and some funny things about him, but overall, just a dude that's about his business. I, I, I noticed, I thought it was interesting, you said that you called him Jay-Z. Yeah. So, would that make you Kanye? <laughs> no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more public. Are you saying you wouldn't take a Kardashian if you had a chance? <laughs> I'm definitely that. I would love. I would love to be. <laughs> I would love to be. Kanye. He couldn't even let that one go. Yeah, uh, de definitely that. Definitely that. But I would say I'm more public enemy. <laughs> I'm more Chuck B. Okay, how the hell did you get that from thinking? <laughs> we, man, I, I'm rolling with Colin Cowherd and, and, and your analogy of Jay Z. He's just, yeah, I'm more. I'm in a different lane. I, I kind of like that Kanye thing because you know you can't tell Kanye nothing. Kanye, you. I'm telling you. Kanye's nuts. Okay, but I mean, look, right now, I, I heard that you're supposed to be speaking at, at his sermon next Sunday. Is that well, true look, or not? Kanye loves Jesus. Now, I respect that oh, about now him. Now, that's what I heard. We Kanye's go. super talented. I respect okay. that about him. Uh, Kanye about to be broke as hell when the kid put this child support on. <laughs> <laughs> he going to need Jesus. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, man. Anyway, let's well, hold on, man. I mean, you worked at Fox as well. What's your take on Cowherd? Hey, man, Colin Cowherd, first of all, he's a lot taller than what you realize. Yeah, he's 6'2". Yeah, I mean, he's, he's actually a lot taller. He, he's a class act, man. He's always treated me good, man. He, he, he would honestly just walk up and ask my opinion of, of things, you know. Hey, so what's your thought of LeBron? Me? Yeah, what's your thought of LeBron? Yeah, it's overrated. You know, hey... The guy, he had me on his show. You know, he he's just he always. He did have you on his yeah, show. He's had me on his show, which. You Didn't know, you jump out of a birthday cake or something? No, that was the other show. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that was for Cousin Sal. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean that was for Rachel Benetta? <laughs> no, I, it, it was for Cousin. <laughs> anyway, but no, man, I, I, I love. Uh, the thing about uh, Colin was he would talk to me and I would be like amazed, like, damn, this dude is talking to me. Just. You know, and he was he was serious about it. So I just thought it was just cool that he would talk to. I don't see why he wouldn't. But anyway, hey, rumor. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a little quick coward story. He he actually told me that uh, he liked me a hell of a lot better than he liked you, and he found it hard. To, <laughs> to believe I believe that. <laughs> All right, you ready? Let's go to number yeah. three, man. Yeah. Dan Levitard. <laughs> Now, I'm interested to see what you're going to say here. Because before we get started, I'm going to tell you straight up. You know good and well how I feel about Dan Levitard. See, because you're going you're gonna to say something bad about Dan. How you, do you know I'm going to say because, something because bad? Because I, I know you and Dan got history. Man, me and you got history, you and Dan. Because here's what I'm going to say before you even get started about Dan. Uh, I'm going to say straight up, you stole, you, you, you're, 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 you're a fugazi. You're perpetrating a fraud. 
Me? You, th this whole Uncle Jimmy thing that you came up with, you took it from Levitar. This is the whole Levitar, Poppy and my son Stevie show. You stole all of that. No. I get, I get why you would say that, but no. And you know actually better than that. But I, I get why you would say that and why people would think that. Did he, did Poppy and all that open the door for people to even understand why I wanted you to play the role of okay. Uncle Jimmy? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. But Jim, as long as we've known each other, back to the Jimmy the Freak days in Kansas City. 16 Sports. Yeah. Doghouse. Yeah, all of that, going all the way back to there. Tim Moss, Tim Grunhardt. <laughs> you playing a role with me in the media and as a broadcaster has always been something I've wanted and have pushed and, and forced. It, but the concept of Uncle Jimmy actually comes from just watching what works on television, particularly for black personalities. Mm -hmm. And so it's a combination, you and the Uncle Jimmy character, it's a combination of wanting to create something that felt like the Cosby show in its heyday, something that felt like the Fresh Prince in its heyday, and the whole Uncle Phil, you're a combination really of Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince and why I can't think of the butler's name on the Fresh Prince. Uh, his name was Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I mean, yeah. His name was Jeffrey, bro. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, I remember, this? I know you Carlton, I know. Ask him something about the damn Game of Thrones. Ask him that. <laughs> I can tell you the name of the dragon's baby that had the miscarriage. <laughs> but it's a combination of that and just wanting to create a family environment. And so having the Uncle Jimmy, having Darnell basically play the role of me and Marcellus's little brother, it's all about trying to create a family vibe and energy because that's what works. Okay, that's true, but let's keep it real. If Uncle Jimmy was on the Cosby show or the Fresh Prince or whatever, I would have been whooping somebody's ass, if whether it was whether it was Carlton, whether it was was Will, or whether it was Darnell. Somebody would have had to got their ass whooped in the good old days if I was running around, because I wouldn't have tolerated that mess. Well, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, do you let me before you? I have not given you my thoughts on Dan. I wasn't done with Dan. Oh. You went off on me. I, I I was getting ready to go back. I'm already oh. on this. Well, because. I, this, this, like I said in the beginning, yeah. I said in the beginning, I said, you and Dan was boys. But now you started this, uh, uh. see, you've been doing good so far. I got the strangest feeling you're getting ready to fall <laughs> off. What's the deal with Dan Levitard, Jason? Come on. Look, man, Dan, <laughs> in the business, there was a time when Dan and I were the closest friend I had in the sports writing business. And... When I came to ESPN the second time, and when I was under more heat and scrutiny from outside forces, I think, and I don't say this to disparage him in any way, Get but I, I think that, no, don't, don't joke here, because I, 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 I'm being dead serious. I think that the level of heat that I was generating not everybody wants to stand next to that. No, but not everybody wants to be like, so-and-so, him and so-and-so are boys. And so I think there was a level of distance Dan wanted that was safer for him. 
I felt like he operated and did some things to create that space. And several things. Again, when Deadspin and those people were out to get me. You thought you and Dan was boys. You thought no, Dan no, no, had no. your back. No, I'm, I'm explaining okay. that I think Dan was my friend and did have my back. But there's a level of heat that not everybody can take. It's very difficult. But you can't be mad at people about, I mean. I'm not. That's people, what I'm people saying. People don't like heat, man. Everybody ain't built for it. Again, I'm Everybody don't have the melanin. I'm actually saying that, that I'm trying to be pragmatic and just say that he's not built for that kind of heat. And that's not a knock on him. Not everybody is built for the kind of heat that I generate or even being friends of me with that heat that it generates and being as high profile as him and wanting to be successful and not caught up in that heat. He did some things to give himself some distance to make sure that the same people that were out to get me didn't come after him. I think this goes on a lot in life, but also when you're a public figure, particularly in this cancel culture era and everything being driven by Twitter. You know, the, the final straw for me was when I, I got to Fox and about after, because I got there in 2015 and it wasn't until 2016 that Cowherd and I started doing the show together, and Dan's sidekick, Stu Gotts, went on a rant on air saying that he had talked to me personally and that he knew for a fact that I didn't like Colin Cowherd. He started, Stu Gotts started telling some story about some conversation me and him had, and he told me that I didn't like Colin Cowherd and basically made the inference that I had told Stugatz or in, inferred, this, insinuated to Stugatz that I thought Colin Cowherd was a racist. And this I happened on Dan's that. radio show and Dan sitting there giggling and laughing as Stugatz tells a bald-faced lie. Never had that conversation with Stugatz. Never would have that conversation with Stugatz. Never been remotely close enough to tell Stugatz anything that I really believe. I don't roll that way. You know me better than virtually anybody in this industry. If you think some stranger is going to know my intimate thoughts about somebody I'm working with or potentially could be working with or somebody, it's just not gonna happen. Stu Gotts is Dan Lebatard's goofy sidekick. Not my boy, not my guy, not, we just don't have that type of relationship. And so, here I am starting off a work relationship with Cowherd, and on Dan Lebatar's show, Stu Gotts is stirring shit on my relationship with Colin Cowherd. And I was like, this is a bridge too far. And then when it became clear, because I think over social media, over Twitter, when the thing was circulating that Stu Gotts said this and people were asking me about it and blah, blah, blah. I said very directly over social media, this is a bald-faced lie. This is some straight-up bullshit. And I let it be known that I was bothered that Dan did nothing, didn't correct it, didn't say, you know, this is supposed to be my guy to some degree, even at this point. Never corrected it, never said anything. And then their underlings basically started promoting, oh, 
That's just Stu Gatz being Stu Gatz. He was just joking, and you don't get the show if you don't understand. And it was all harmless. There's just no way you can define that kind of BS, those type lies, when I'm starting out a work relationship with, with Colin Cowherd, and there's that kind of insinuation. That's not something you should be joking about. From there, without any animus, and, and again, I could tell additional stories. It's okay, it's okay. I could so tell additional here. stories of like Dan providing space for himself, some distance to make sure the bad guys don't come after him. But after the Stu guys thing, I was like, okay, let me just wash my hands. I'm a little too hot for this situation. Let me give him the space that he needs. And, you know, look, I, I was not the woman Dan's married to, but the girl he was dating previously. We have vacationed together. Yeah, I'm in the girl, I was in Vegas and all that. Friends with Dan's parents, mama and the whole nine. But I don't, not everybody is built for the kind of heat that I generate. So I don't blame the guy. We do two different things. So in other words, it's Stu God's fault that no. America doesn't have the Uncle Jimmy and Poppy show. <laughs> right? It's Stu God's fault. There it is, America. There There's you your answer. There all you right, then. There you go. Okay. So, now, all right. Now, I, did I just keep it fearless or not? Uh, you kept it long as hell, and that's what the hell you did. Listen, man, you got a little personal. Good God, man. Let's let, let's get back to business. Uh, and I'm gonna warn you that you do do it do that with this one, and we're gonna have a problem. Do what with this one? G okay, I'm just gonna tell you this next. Tell name, the truth. No, okay, tell the truth if you want to. All right, this is why old people tell you: tell the truth, shame the devil, and you can pay your rent on next Monday. All right, listen. Number four. Here, here we go. You ready for this one? Yeah. I'm warning you, Jason. Don't 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 get crazy. Here we go. Marcellus Wiley, aka Marcellus. Marcellus is exactly who I thought he was. A great. She sounds like Denny Green now. A Marcellus Green is exactly who I thought he was. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> a great American success story. True. True that. And Marcellus, as I was talking about you and the Uncle Jimmy role and where it all came from. The reason I wanted to work with Marcellus is because of his narrative arc, because of what he represents. Dude comes from South Central in a real way, for not me, in right. some kind of phony, he wasn't in the zip code next to it or blah, blah, blah. He's from South Central in a real way. Went to an Ivy League school, graduated, played in professional sports, and then used his success in professional sports to uplift the family he was born into and to build a family with Anna Marie. Marcellus is the American dream. And I wanted that represented on the show. And if you look at where Marcellus is now and his brand over social media, his brand over Speak For Yourself, his, what he leans into is all of that. He is the American dream. Mm. And he's grateful for it. He's trying to tell other people how you can go get the American dream. And I, I just love it. And I, I just, Marcellus is who I thought he was. And I, I think he's a important voice in the sports world 
who has a chance to be an important voice beyond sports? If I, if I would just made tag on to Marcellus, the thing about Marcellus personally, just because I know him, that stuck out to me about him was he doesn't seem like he really cares about what's popular, what's Twitter. What's it. He's going to stick to basics. He's going to stick to what's right. He's, gonna, he's not going to jump off on to – he, he, he just stick, he, he's just a real dude. He, he, he just sticks to the thing about Marcellus when I met him that stuck in my mind the most was he shared. I, I told him, thank you for helping me. And he told me, he said, brother, he said, man, I treat you just like he, he, he let me know that I was part of the team to speak for yourself. You know, and he said, you are the field goal kicker of the team. Your job is to come in every day at the end of the show and kick the field goal. He said, you make it. We win the game. You miss it. You're going to have to hear Whitlock's mouth. <laughs> it's just that simple and you know and 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 that, that that's how i took on the act the, the aspect of what we do that's why a lot of times we get done we just be boom it's good walk off you know every now and then it flopped the kick got missed and we had to come back and try again but i just appreciated him and the way he there, there was well marcellus and i always had a special connection and i think it started the first time i met him the first time we was taping and i think it was because I'm going to be honest with you. Uncle Jimmy spent some time back, back in Los Angeles back in the early 80s, 90s. There, Marcellus and I have a connection, and I think that connection is through his sister, Titsy. <laughs> See, because I'm going to tell you, if I was around back then, Titsy wouldn't have had to fight as much for Marcellus as she did. <laughs> you know, and me and Marcellus, his career might have been a little different because he'd have had me as a big brother-in-law, <laughs> as a big bro model, for say. You know what I'm saying? A bro model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm just saying that, that that's my deal with Marcellus. Appreciate I, I, I love the whole family. Him, Biscuit, his lovely wife, everybody. <laughs> Anna Marie. Yes, everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's up? What you got? Say something. I've said it. We good. So so you you I'm I'm trying to get you. You ain't got nothing bad to say about my guy. What would I have bad to say? That's all I want you to say. Very good. Here we go. You ready for this one? Yeah. Now, now let's go to your neck of the woods. Go go. Let's go to Detroit. My guy, Jalen Rose. Wow. Man, I've known Jalen since he was 19 and, you know, part of the Fab Five at Michigan. Came out better than anybody in the Fab Five now that it's all over. Let's look at it. Let's keep it real. Uh, that's a bold statement. Look at, look, at his, look at his checkbook. Jawan Howard's the head coach at the University of Michigan. He's married to Molly Quan. <laughs> Jalen is, yeah. Yes. I'm just saying, it's a hell of a difference from the Fab Five and Long Shorts to Molly Quam. That brother's made it. <laughs> Molly Quirum, I believe, is her name, but or Karim, but Molly. <laughs> Look, Chris Webber had a hell of an NBA career and had a good broadcasting career that just I don't think it's over, but it is with TNT. Jalen Rose has done very well. Jalen, you know, it's hard for me to say anything bad because he played on the Pacers' greatest NBA team and helped us get to the NBA Finals. And I think even if my memory serves right, I think he was the leading scorer on that team ahead of Reggie Miller, just slightly by the smallest margin. And so Jalen is a big part of fond memories I have, as a Pacer fan, he has certainly just come a long way as an individual. The Jalen Rose Academy uh, right, that he started, right. 
again, LeBron gets a lot of credit for starting schools or whatever or whatever as an athlete, but David Robinson and Jalen Rose, I think both have been involved with creating academies or schools long before LeBron James. I, I think just keeping it all the way real, I think Jalen is a solid broadcaster who could be a great broadcaster if someone helped him clean up some of the annoying things he does that he thinks are funny. If someone tapped him on the show, hey, man, I love you, man, but quit singing on NBA Countdown. Your voice is horrible and it's annoying. Like when Shaq does it, his voice isn't as... Are you, you going to try to say that Jalen Rose, that Shaq's voice is better than Jalen Rose? Slightly. It's not as annoying. And and when Shaq does it, it's funny. Have you heard him sing on the Tony Tiger commercial? <laughs> Damn, magically delicious. <laughs> Come on, man. But, you know, I... I my possum's about ready. Overall, Jalen is a talented guy who's a survivor. He's a Detroit I like survivor. That. That's what I get from Jalen. Jalen go. Jalen made the best of everything. Yeah, he's a survivor. And again, look at all the different roles he's had at ESPN. And it's like sometimes I'm just telling you, he's good. He could be great because he's had some great moments on ESPN. And and some of the advice I'm giving him is like advice that sometimes my sense of humor has gotten me into trouble or things that I think are funny and want to laugh about, you know, maybe they're on, the joke's only landing with me. But anyway, that, that's... Yeah, I, I kind of want to cut yeah, you off right here. Yeah. I, I, I want to just, just go with that because you're talking about you're giving some advice to Jalen Rose. I'm yeah. going to throw a name, I'm going to throw a curve and I'm going to ask you to give, give somebody some advice and their career. What advice would you give a... What's our guy's name that uh, just got fired, uh, played for KU? Uh, what's his name? Paul. Paul Pierce. Yeah, what kind of advice would you give Paul Pierce? Because he said he's doing fine. Yeah, I, I think that Paul, I, it would all be speculation. It, it would all be. But but I, I'll just, anytime you would film yourself at a private party with strippers and alcohol and you would put that out on Instagram or into the universe, my first thoughts, and total speculation on my part, but if you look at the video, my first thoughts are like, hey man, do you have a drinking problem? Because these are the kind of decisions, and again, just keep in mind, my father owned a bar my entire life. Right. I'm very familiar with drinking problems. I know that the overwhelming majority of mistakes that I made as a young person from 20 to 45, and I was never a big drinker, but my big mistakes, generally speaking, had something to do with alcohol. So my advice to, to Paul would be to, you know, have a conversation with himself. Does he have some sort of substance abuse problem that caused him to make that type of mistake? That's, hey, you I know, I mean, people back, back in the day uh, would say that you don't mix brown liquor with, like, with, with clear liquor. And because it has a bad effect. I would say, in his case, you can't mix alcohol with Twitter and social media because it has a very dangerous and intoxicating effect to make you do some dumb shit. Instagram would be, yes. Social media. Yes. There you go. Yeah. All right, let's go. Yeah. Next one. Let's just keep it going right there. What the hell is your problem with Maria Taylor? Who 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 says I have a problem with Maria Taylor? Everyone. <laughs> Oh, what? What'd I do? 
Well, I'm seriously, man. Clear, clear this up, man. What is your problem, man? I, I don't have a problem with Maria Taylor. People, I wrote a column about Katie Nolan and the privilege of beauty as it relates to sports broadcasting and broadcasting in general. I referenced Maria Taylor and a few other people in the column. If anybody would go read the column, my praise of Maria Taylor is off the charts in terms of, I think I, I may have called her in the column, I certainly call her in private, the unicorn. She, and I don't mean this in any way, in any negative or sensational way, she makes love to the camera, man. I'm just telling you, she makes love to the camera. And it's not everybody has that natural gift. Not everybody comes across that positively just on camera. It's her a gift. energy. It's a gift. Yeah, her energy is, can be so positive and she's so beautiful. She's just a natural to me. But my, my questions or my concerns were like, hey, don't get caught up in all this militancy and you're going to be the black, unapologetically black on TV. This whole thing we have as black people that at all times we got to represent our color and nobody else runs around feeling this way. I got to be unapologetically white. I got to be unapologetically brown. I got to be unapologetically yellow. It's all stupid and it's a little box as black people we put ourselves in. And you'll hear all these people. And again, I don't know how Maria Taylor grew up. Uh, I know how I grew up and how a lot of black people I know grew up. I never hear anybody talk about, man, I'm going to be unapologetically Christian. Isn't that a higher version of yourself? than trying to be unapologetically black. And I'm not saying that's that those words have come out of her mouth, but I see so many broadcasters think that they ha every day I got to prove my blackness on T, and it's a mistake. Where'd that come from? Social media and Twitter. I mean, I mean, we, we talk about that, but where did it come from? Why is it that, it, you know, Confucius once said that one should not shoot one's mouth off unless it's loaded. Where did this just come from that we just have to just shoot our mouth off and just say something until we know where did that come from? Because most people now in the broadcast industry, their number one thought is how is what I'm going to say going to be perceived over Twitter? And so they get on TV and even during the broadcast, they're checking Twitter during the broadcast to see how they're being received and that's how they're judging themselves and Twitter is rigged to make it appear that saying racially divisive stuff is the most important and the best thing you can do on TV and I've seen too many people make the mistake and all I've ever said about Maria Taylor is man she's got the talent to be whatever she wants to be as a broadcast. She could be the next Oprah, and I say that in all sincerity. Okay. But if her goal is going to be, I'm going to be the blackest person on TV, and I'm going to keep it black all the time, she'll never be the next Oprah. And there will be people that will hear this and think, oh, man, Jason don't want people to be black. 
and I'm just saying, there's something far higher to be than your skin color. Far higher. Just being a good person, being a Christian, being an American, being responsible. I'm going to be the most responsible person I can be. Try that. Mm. Try, try, I'm going to be the best father, mother, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend. Any of that person is better than I'm going to be the best black person because at the end of the day, your skin color, whether you're white, black, brown, yellow, is just not that significant. And I've seen too many people but but it's like being black is easy. Being being responsible, trustworthy, self-aware, Christian, any of these things are far more difficult and people don't even try. Sounds to me like what you're saying is that Maria Taylor would probably come out a whole lot better if she just tried to be a sports journalists rather than trying to be a black sports journalist. No question about it. Because she she can just be the best. She can just be the best. Period. Take color out of it. Maria Taylor could be the best. That's all I've ever said. I love Maria Taylor. That's why I wrote and said, here's my advice. All of this militancy stuff and now you're going to be the Yas Queen of ESPN and you're going to, you know, I don't want to speculate about what, what what's going on, but Basically, I would say don't follow in Jamel Hill's footsteps. You don't want to just be a Twitter feed. Go All ahead. All right, here we, here go. we go. All right, number seven, Skippy. Skippy. Skip Bayless? Skip Bayless. You know, me and Skip, me and Skip's almost like family, too. You know, I lived in the same building with Skip Bayless's sister-in-law. and we Y'all lived, dated? I, no, I did not. We, oh. we, see, so, men and women can be friends. Oh, y'all were friends. We, we were friends without without all of that other shenanigans. And and that's why I'm, I'm. Let me just go ahead and say also what you're saying is. I think her name was, what was her name? George. Don't play Bingham. like you didn't okay. know her name. Oh yeah. Anyway, but I well, see, the <laughs> don't thing play I like, like y'all listen, didn't have dinner. Know, here's the point. Let me just say this. <laughs> see, I probably shouldn't say this, but yeah. she told me personally. Who? His sister-in-law. His sister-in-law. And a matter of fact, no, no, his sister-in-law. His wife. I actually met his wife. His wife. Dude, she she got Bentley cold convertible. Anyway, listen. Skip's She's, wife has a Bentley. Is that what you said? Convertible, Coke. Listen, <laughs> two seater. <laughs> Listen, she you told, ever ride shotgun? Why are you? That's why I don't nobody like you, man. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Skip. This this is probably one of the coolest things that was said yeah. to me. Just being was Skip Bayless's wife said to me. Skip, I probably shouldn't say this. Skip is a big fan of yours. He watches you all the time. I don't know why he doesn't have you on his show. Why do you think he didn't have me on the show? Uh, I go back and answer the question. What you think about Skip Bayless? <laughs> <laughs> what you I think, think about Skip, man? I think Skip treated me well when I was at Fox Sports. I think Skip is one of the hardest workers I've met in this industry. I think his passion for debating on TV is authentic. I think that you know, he's completely different than me because... First of all, he's physically fit. <laughs> he's got a great head of hair. I got a good head of hair. 
You and Jalen Rose. <laughs> I think that Skip, different than me, in ter- he actually believes in debate television. It's not, people think it's some shtick, but Skip actually wants to win the debate and actually thinks he's in a, a legitimate, authentic debate with Shannon Sharp. And I, I respect his work ethic, his passion for debate and doing that style of television. It's not something I could do, but maybe my style is something he can't do. And you have to, uh, you know, I had to come to grips with the fact that my way isn't the way for everybody. And you have to respect that that's his way. It's work for him. And, you know, he authentically believes in it. And so I think that's all I want to say. You know, I, I, I thought it was just my eyes. I, yeah. I, I didn't think that I was going crazy, but you're literally growing right before my eyes. Why? I don't know. I thought it was just, you're just beginning to grow right before my eyes. He's growing up. You're maturing. I love you. I'm proud of you, nephew. What What did you think? You, you think I was going to say something? No, I'm just, you, you're doing well. You're doing well. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Let's go. Next <laughs> one. Let's go. Skip Bayless. Shannon Sharp. Shannon's a guy that I've known for a while, and Shannon has different demands. Let me tell you something. Before you can get started, I'm going to tell you straight out. Now, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Of everybody at Fox, Shannon Sharp was the one person I did not like nearly as much as I acted like I liked him. Oh, wow. Seriously. I got a problem with that brother. And Do at tell. one point, I told him straight <laughs> up. I told him. Hey, man, I will never, ever forgive you for that shit you did to Derek Thomas on Monday Night Football. <laughs> the Monday Night Meltdown. Yeah. 1998. Whatever, that ended. Man. That ended Marty Schottenheimer in Kansas City. Hey, man, City. but now, nah, man, but, but, but come on, man. You, you, oh, know, and- you know the whole story. More, you know the whole story of what Shannon did to Derek Thomas that night in that game. That crossed the line of team sports and professionalism. I think what Shannon did was- You know what the hell he did. He talked smack. He called out Derek Thomas's phone, girlfriend's phone number from the other side of the line. <laughs> you know what the hell he did. Don't act like, well, oh, yeah, yeah. who wants to sex McCumbo? We know how these stories go around. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I, that's for real. That's out there. Y'all know he did it. You heard Derek say he did it. I heard Derek say he did it. Keep it real. That crossed the line. I did not hear Derek say oh. that it was the phone number thing. I did hear from several Chiefs players that the dispute was talking trash about girlfriends or, or whatever, and that's what set Derek off. But you understand the rules. You can't talk stuff about nobody's girlfriend in Kansas City and you live in Denver. That's actually, the rules are actually completely different than that. Are complete, right, no, 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 no. Completely, the rules are actually completely different than that. Okay. You can't take none of that personal is actually the rules. Mm. And now, if Derek can put a ring on somebody's finger, that's out of bounds. You just but, played that card. Oh, my God. But, okay. you know. In terms of anything without a ring on it is still in the ocean and is available for any fisherman to cast his pole. 
To, to me, I just find it true, a serious whatever. That's right? the rules of the locker room. I'm just telling you. I, I, I know, That's the I rules know. of the locker room. I heard y'all say that. Yeah. To, to me, I, I, on a very serious note, of being there in the presence. Because if shit. that were the case, me and Derek Thomas wouldn't have got along. <laughs> you almost did it. You almost, I tried to get you out of it, but there you Every time I try to get out, they pulled me back in. Cause Derek had no rules, man, and Kansas City was his city, and he humbled me. Hey, man, look, <laughs> let me tell you something. I, I love the fact that when Derek at, at his service, man, they uh, had a they they took all his kids and uh, they had to use like two school buses to get them there. Hey, so, hey, 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 man, hey, 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 man. You know Derek was my dude, man. Okay, all right. Even though. Yeah, all right. There's good. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one here. Perfect. Right. I like that. Good. Let's keep let's, it moving. Let's keep it moving, man. Yeah. Um, this new guy, I, I don't think this guy gets enough credit in the game, man. Tucker Carlson. He, you think why, he's whoa, new? Whoa, why, why did you pause? You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? No, because, again, I was thinking of some – you were talking about some new guy in the sports game. I, 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 he's on my list. He's the I new guy you, on my list. I was going to say, but he's not in sports. I thought you set it up like you was about to ask me about I Ocho. That, that's called a curve, Jason. <laughs> Damn. You didn't give me the exact <laughs> – Come on, man. Tucker Carlson, maybe right now the brightest mind working in TV. He's – Completely misunderstood and has been mischaracterized and smeared by a certain segment of the political activist group. But, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of sports and I watch a lot of movies or TV shows on Amazon or Netflix. I don't watch a lot of TV. I make it a point to watch his opening monologue every night yeah. or the next day or at some point I watch his open and I watch his show two, three times a week, start to finish. Guy's brilliant. He's saying things that no one else has the courage to say right now. He's held Dr. Fauci accountable. He's calling BS on the January 6th, insurrection because it was not an insurrection that's a media fallacy and exaggeration people were unarmed one the only person that got harmed was killed by police it was an unarmed woman who uh had been in the service in the military i i give tucker nothing but credit for having the balls to stand in the pocket and take on the establishment and really speak truth to power. The power is the government. He's the only guy out there, not the only one, but he's the best out there calling BS on all these government institutions and agencies, corporate media, you know, is he a perfect person? No, none of us are. But I gotta just tip my hat to the dude and wow. Real quick, if I may just expand on Tucker. Uh, last week, I don't remember, and I don't want to misquote, but he, he he did a story talking about the vaccine and black men, talking about how we as black men are really kind of getting, we're not getting the straight scoop 
up on this vaccine and I, I don't We're remember the most Jake. reluctant to take it is one of is the point he was making and he was actually pointing out and this is why I wish people would watch what he's actually, he's pointing out that all these rules that are being made up about if you don't have the vaccine you're going to be denied access or the ability to do x y and z it's going to impact black men the most it's a he called it medical Jim Crow. And as black people, we're being lied to. And we're so caught up in the lie of like, oh, Republicans aren't taking the vaccine. The truth is, we're not taking the vaccine. And so all these rules that they're setting up, and once they're going to start limiting what jobs you can get based on whether you've taken the vaccine or not, that's going to impact us the most and the left is pushing all of this and so it's like if you really understood Jim Crow laws go all the way back to the 1910s 1920s Jim Crow laws worked the exact same way Jim Crow laws weren't black people can't vote they were here's a reading test you have to pass to vote and they knew the group that would be most impacted by that rule was black people. So here's a vaccine you have to take. If you don't take it, you can't do X, Y, and Z. They know who that rule is going to impact the most. They know who's going to be disenfranchised by that rule the most, but they're still pushing for it. But they're telling you, I'm really on your side. Those guys are the racists. I'm actually on your team. It's, it, yeah, that's again why I say hats off to Tucker Carlson. He's actually speaking truth to power and trying to inform people about what's really going on. I'm going to just say this ending with Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson reminds me a lot of you, meaning a lot of times people have the tendency to hate the message simply because they just don't like the message. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Um, this is your last question. I don't know. Yes, it is. I don't know. You <laughs> Why, you got something else to do? Yes. All right, it's, let's go. Here we go. Last yeah. but not least. Yeah. Miss Pretty Brown Eyes. Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill is Pretty Brown Eyes? Damn right. So, you know I see ya. Have you ever looked at her eyes? Not that I remember. Oh, okay. Then come on. What's your thoughts on Jamel Hill? That's your problem. You better look at her eyes, boy. <laughs> wow. Uh, eyes like Prince. Go ahead. You know, I'm, you ain't, this is your fault. So suddenly you ain't got no words for Jamel Hill any other time. I'm well. I'm trying to, but I'm trying to. You know, I'm a Christian, so I'm trying to think of some good things to say. You a Christian and God ain't finished with you. Keep on going. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of some good things to say, and you know. She's got an interesting Twitter feed, and, and Twitter is the right depth for her. That, you know, 280 characters is about all she can handle. And so launching a career as a, as a Twitter influencer, smart. Uh, you just say never let that mess go, have you? This no, I'm just, you know, this has nothing to do with anything personal. This is just facts. It's personal. This is fact. It's personal. She, Jim, 
I'm a journalist. She's passing herself off as a journalist. She has no, no one can name. Journalistic integrity? No, but no one can name any piece of journalistic work that she's done that's of any significance or any good. It's not like she didn't try. <laughs> Should have tried harder. Because again, if I'm a journalist and I've been at this, let's say she's been at it for 15, 20 years, I'm gonna have some work that people actually remember, can reference, can talk about. People talk about her missteps. People talk about her comparing things to Adolf Hitler. People talk about her blog about giving BJs. People talk about her tweet saying that Donald Trump is, that her, her tweet, Donald Trump is a white supremacist. People talk about her tweets. She doesn't have any work to stand on. So it's nothing personal. I'm giving you one more chance. Now, you know me and you, boy, you know, said at the beginning of this, me and you go back. You already know I know the answer to it, Jason. I, I don't like Jamel Hill. That is accurate. Why, Jason? You ain't, you ain't, get it out so we can be done with it. We got a show to do. <laughs> uh, look, years ago, when I was in Kansas go. City, okay. and it's, it's, 2007 and the Don Imus thing is Don Imus, Rutgers, nappy-headed hoes comment. I wrote a series of columns. That was before the days of Weave. (laughs) I wrote a series of columns or one in particular about like, hey man, Don Imus is irrelevant in our world. There's all these rappers and everybody else talking disrespectfully about black people, black women, Everybody's a bitch and a hoe and blah, blah, blah. And we don't have any problem, but we're all up in arms about Don Imus. At that time, this was back when uh, the truth and reality stood a chance, was allowed to breathe the oxygen and air. Hmm. Uh, Oprah loved what I wrote and had me on her show for two days. That's when you sat on the couch. Yeah. And... That set off the little green envy monster in a lot of people. Jamel at the top of the list. And she reached out to uh, a blog, Jason McIntyre, the big lead. <laughs> Damn. And, and I drop any names, though. Yeah. And, and tried to get Jason McIntyre to write something disparaging about me and about me. I'm just gonna keep it real. I had told one of my very good friends, I'm not gonna use his last name, but his first name's Terrence. Very good friends. I had, and this, keep in mind, this is 2007, I'm much younger. It was 14 years ago. I had told him a story about me being in Atlanta. Right. And hooking up with, uh, <laughs> okay. hooking up with a young lady that let's, let's make it to the July 6th show. <laughs> let's, let's make it to the show. Go ahead. Hooking up with a young lady that worked at, a, I think, a club was Don't called Cheetahs. Subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Terrence repeated this story to Jim. They were having some conversation about what a hypocrite I was for acting like I had any morality or whatever when I hooked up with a lady who danced at a nightclub in Atlanta. And she tried to get Jason McIntyre and a big lead to write about it. Jason McIntyre and I were friends at that time. He told me. And 
ain't really messed with Jamel Hill since. Or not really. I just haven't. You know, I, I just, I just, I just so, no so, respect. So let me get this right. So you just got mad at her for not doing any journalistic integrity work. Yeah. So she just went after a story, tried to get a lead. <laughs> she didn't get the story for trying to get the lead. And she, Jason didn't, McIntyre didn't sell you out, which was good on that behalf, but you're going to still chastise her for that because she wanted that story. I mean, I understand it. I know it, it would have been hard to believe, okay, there's aliens and Jason hangs out with exotic dancers. I know that, that two are going to be hard to believe. Jamel, let me tell you something, and I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. I want you to know how your career could have gone in a totally different direction. Because I don't know what you tried to get Jason McIntyre to tell you any stories about him for. Girl, you could have called me at 913-284. I would have told you everything you need to know. I would have gave you videos from Diamond Joes. I would have told you about Diamond, Champagne, Destiny. Oh, we got to go? Yeah, we do need to go. Okay, I'm just because... saying, Jamil, you call me. I'll hook you up. Y'all want to know the scoop? I'll tell you. So let me end it on this note. That was 14, 15 years ago. I'm a so better, you no longer have a request for I'm a better you, person now. I haven't, better been, now. I haven't been in the strip club in about four years, Jim. Four years? Yeah. I thought you haven't been since the pandemic. <laughs> no, Bob, it's been about four years. Honestly. Honestly. Yes. Can we uh, fact check that, please? <laughs> I, I think we should end on that note. Ladies, if you uh, can confirm nor deny... <laughs> You know the email. That's it. Let's go. That's factual. <laughs> God's still working with me. Jim, I will have to say these 10 questions, much more difficult than the first 10 questions, but I'm glad we did it. Hey, man, I enjoyed it, man. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you for just opening up a little bit, man. Honestly, I, I enjoy the fact that I get a chance to be a little closer to you than what I particularly care to be, but, you know, I get to talk about it, man, and I get to tell people what it's like, and I, I thank you, man. It's good. Thank you. We'll see you July 6th. You know!